Welcome, friends. It's time for another tokenomics. I've got Anton Bachman, principal at Play Ventures. I've got ciao, Mishka, ciao. Kat, oh, Mishka <laughs> Katkoff, the CEO at Savage Game Studio. Mm-hmm. And myself, Ethan Levy, the EP of Legendary Heroes Unchained at Network. Uh, today on the podcast, we're, we're, we've got two big topics. The massive $280 million launch of Kevin Rose's Moonbirds PFP project, and the even more massive $320 million drop of Yuga Lab's Other Side Band NFTs. And for those following the newsletter, vindication for me as my top prediction about Other Side following their $450 million raise was proved correct. All that and more on today's tokenomics. And by the way, PFP, proof for picture, right? <laughs> Profile picture. Profile picture. <laughs> Profile Just, picture. just making sure with these acronyms. Like, yeah, I of course. Like throw around too yeah, many. Yeah, yeah, too baby, many. Steps. baby steps. Baby yeah. steps. <laughs> we'll, we'll make you a crypto bro yet. All right. Oh, with oh, that, goodness. very exciting. We have our first ever true sponsored shill town excited about nfts in the metaverse ready to be part of the future of gaming recurs looking for talented producers product managers game designers economy designers and engineers recurs building branded nft collectibles and games with top ip including college sports paramount star trek nickelodeon sanrio and more using its best in the industry technology platform Recur's platform streamlines the NFT collecting experience. No crypto or third-party wallets required. Simply buy an NFT with your credit card or Apple Pay. And Recur's robust gamification system creates infinite collecting and gameplay possibilities from which to make compelling play and earn experiences. Recur is backed by some of the biggest names in crypto and NFTs, including billionaire Stephen Cohn, Gary Vee, and Gemini, among others. Join us now and get ready to ride a rocket ship. Let's fucking go. All right, so so now that we've listened to our first ad, just uh, uh, I think we've got some plugs ourselves. Uh, I'm still hiring on the Legendary Heroes Unchained team. I'm looking for a live ops PM. I've uh, brought on a lot of great people, but if you are a live ops PM or a system designer looking for a new Web3 challenge, please uh, DM me on the Deconstructor of Fun Slack or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Do you guys have anything to shill today? <laughs> Uh, Anthony's is always showing the same thing. Just send him pictures, <laughs> hoverboards, of your, or of your blockchain, <laughs> of your blockchain game. He'll review it and decline uh, candidly and politely. So, so I'm, I'm just, no, I'm no, just it's showing. No, for obvi you. Obviously, obviously, this never investment investment advice. But keep an eye out on uh, on some of the some of the games in our portfolio and, and their upcoming mm -hmm. upcoming drops. So, so um, really, Which really one? good developers building some? interesting things. We have uh, we have Trailblazer out of Sweden. Mm -hmm. We have uh, uh, Block Tackle building Skatex out of out of the U.S. Everyone free to play veterans, uh, having gone deep deep down the rabbit hole to get the get the uh, the ropes of, of everything crypto and Web three. And uh, obviously, personally, that th those are the kind of teams that that we're interested in uh, in, in working with. And First Light Games is also launching their first blockchain game. Uh, I think it's coming out like yes, like yes, actual and actually, game, actually, as drop. of actually as of today, as of today, uh, if you have been a part of the community early on, the the alpha has been open for for Blast Royale. So um, instructions in Discord for for how to get in get into the game. Yeah, awesome. Um, I'm I have nothing to show. I I'm. I'm still a white belt here, but I feel like I'm earning my stripes because as right. we were going through the topics for, for this podcast, I was <laughs> I was comfortably, you know, making notes about layer one, layer two, kind of discussing yeah. Ethereum, Ethereum 1.0, Ethereum 2.0. So um, as I, and I wrote you guys a, a message that just basically saying, right. fuck you, because you're turning me into a crypto bro. <laughs> Uh, slowly but surely, the, uh, I'm becoming the more douche than I working. was before. <laughs> yeah. well, that, that was, that's the that's the idea of the podcast is get me to uh, to a blue belt. Uh, so I think, I think right. you know, first this, tribe, first tribe earned. <laughs> I I'm starting to feel like uh, you're just pulling the wool over our eyes and getting free consulting from us on how to become a crypto bro. This is uh... of course, of course, the the uh, the blue belt will be earned with the uh, DOF. 
NFT drop. Like that is, yeah. I, I'm like, and, you think if, it's if, a joke? If we're not, <laughs> if we're not white, if we're not whitelisted with Ethan on the Genesis drop, you know who's who's gonna come knocking on your door? Uh, you, you're gonna be airdropped. <laughs> you're gonna be airdropped the NFT. Of course, we're gonna do this project yeah. together. Uh, that's that's yeah. the uh, that's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna involve you, yes, and that sir. is the uh, the true way to get free consulting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so on that, we're doing uh, uh, the first topic today is moonbirds and how they've mooned to the moon. Um, and this is a PFP project. This is kind of gaming adjacent, but it's really interesting to us on the DOF side as we think about could we launch a tokenized? Oh my god, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Could we launch a tokenized community for Deconstructor of Fun? Which is basically a way of saying could we find a way. Uh, to use NFTs or tokens uh, to do some exclusive stuff that brings value to holders and uh, helps us do more cool media creation. As um, long as it's something else than than ten thousand different versions of a cartoon, Mishka. <laughs> We're gonna be fine. No, it's got to be Mishka. Doesn't no, Mishka mean no, Teddy's has, or something? Has, ten thousand. It's Mishka with it's Mishka with different hats. Oh, actually, actually, now that you said the teddy bear idea, one is I'm wearing a founder hat, that, but... one is wearing a podcast host hat, one is one is wearing an investor hat. You know right. what I mean. uh, rocket teddies. We've got rocket okay. Teddies. We'll talk. We'll talk Moonbird so that we can learn about how to launch the deconstructor fun rocket teddies. Okay, so let me give you the context. Um, if if you follow the space, you're probably familiar with Kevin Rose. He's one of the co-founders of Dig, and he's really big into various NFT projects. Um, he's made his name in the space with a proof podcast and an NFT community called the proof collective. And now he's parlayed that success into a massive $280 million launch for the moon birds PFP project. Um, here's a quote from the decrypt article that, that shared that $280 million figure. I mean, like getting, it's actually a little hard to, to figure out how to value how much how much money they actually made from different things it's it's weird to value it but they're the one who gave 280 million and they said proof collective ultimately released um 7875 of the NFTs for sale via an allow list which was formed via a raffle process each moonbird nft offered via that process was sold for 2.5 eth about $7600 at the time of sandbay sale Another 2,000 of the images were granted as free mints to holders of the Proof Collective NFT membership pass, which starts at a price above 97 ETH. So uh, Proof Collective is a tokenized community. They sold an NFT, and it's basically access to a private Slack or a private Discord that you have to hold the NFT to have. Uh, they launched it... Um, there are only a thousand of these passes, and if you want into the community right now, it'll cost you over two hundred eighty thousand um, dollars. Each, so the uh, the collective has gotten airdrops of previous projects or the ability to mint previous projects. For the Moonbirds, uh, Proof Collective members were able to mint two. And they're promising uh, research, so they're promising exclusive alpha on NFT projects. They're promising uh, more an annual conference. Um, that's that's like proof that Proof Collective is where I got the word tokenized community. And I think, as horrible as it feels to say those words out loud, there is some inspiration there for us. Um, so some other uh, context on Moonbirds. Um, that on April 25th, Moonbird 2,642 sold for 350 ETH. That's $1 million. Uh, it sold on OpenSea, and the buyer was the Sandbox. So this is kind of a uh, marketing stunt in a way. The Sandbox generated a headline, but Sandbox is super rich in various, in many cryptocurrencies. Uh, from the success in selling land and uh, NFTs and the success of the SAND token. Um, so what what is uh, uh, Moonbirds? It's 10,000, it, they say, util okay, 
picture for proof. Okay, you were you were right. I've been called. I've heard it both ways, I guess, uh, Mishka. So Mishka vindicated right now. On their website, they say picture for proof. I've heard it as profile pics, and maybe I've been wrong the whole time. It's picture for proof. Picture for proof. You're ready to take my black belt away. Yeah, I think both are adequate. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm not going to take a black. Belt. I'm just going to take another stripe. <laughs> Okay, so what is it? It's 10,000 procedurally generated bird. Each bird, uh, owls, each owl unlocks private club membership and additional benefits the longer you hold them. We call it nesting. So they're calling their version of staking nesting. And uh, their website and their roadmap um, promises kind of a future metaverse that they're building. So it's very, uh, you buy a piece of, uh, you buy a JPEG, and the JPEG will give you access to a Discord and future stuff. And from this, uh, they, they raised uh, $280 million. So the question for you, Mishka, you've been DMing me incessantly about how we can ape in uh, uh, to something like this. Does this inspire you? Does this make you want to build a, quote, tokenized community, unquote? And, and what would that look like? Yeah. So, um, yes, uh, of course. Now, let me kind of like a, take a step back and and let's let's zoom in for all the listeners. It's not about DOF. It's just about we're having a conversation of how to build a tokenized community. And you can do right. this for games. You can do it for, for anything that you're doing, even if you have a community right now. So the title of this episode is Building a Tokenized Community. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to use DOF just as an example of our own thinking, just because right. it's an easy way for us to kind of ground ourselves. And, uh, and of course, Moonbirds is an example. So why I'm interested is in terms of, because I'm kind of like reading, uh, I was going through what Proof was, what Moonbirds is. And uh, in terms of us, like we have a content, we have a, a network for games professionals by game professionals. On the Slack group, we have like a thousand people and, and there could be a lot more. We're just accepting like maybe one fifth of the applicants. Uh, and... And You've got a big whites. bouncer in front of that velvet yeah. rope. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to name <laughs> name the bouncer. But anyway, uh, why I'm really interested about this tokenized community is because it allows you to build a core community that can help to steer the content creation. Now, another interesting part about it is, of course, you can raise funds to level up your community. So, um, and and. Finally, like depending, of course, on what kind of a content you're producing. In this case, Kevin Rose, uh, Kevin Rose, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kevin Rose was talking about um, kind of like reliance on ad drip. And sorry, just using deconstructor of fun as an example, we don't have reliance on ad drip, even though we have ads. They're more like a bonus. But if you want to invest more into your product, then you become more reliant on the ad drip and then it's a slippery slope to a point where mm. I don't want to disrespect anybody, but you start looking like venture beat where it's like ads on ads on ads and it's really hard to even read the article and you're kind of shilling all the time for companies. Right. De Deconstructor of fun isn't powered by ads. It's actually powered by passion, right? Like yes. we're doing – you're not paying me for blog posts. I'm just doing no. it because I'm like I want to share with my colleagues. Um, yeah. and same with the newsletter pieces, same with, same with this. I, I mean, we do have ads, but we're not, nobody's, nobody is making a full-time salary off a deconstructor of fun. It's just yeah. like, a little... no, no, we're, just that. we're just sharing alpha across the channels. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but then again, of course, there's a, there's a revenue share model for those who make content on regular intervals, etc. Anyways, that's, mm. that's our model. Now going back to, but there's a couple, there's, there's, a, there's yeah, a couple of other examples I want to highlight. On, uh, mm -hmm. on a couple of uh, tokenized communities that have mm -hmm. now been around for, for roughly a year. Uh, one is a, a bit of a more Web3 native one called Friends with Benefits. Mm -hmm. um, it's mm -hmm. also one that Andreessen invested in. And if you, if, if you hold a certain amount of the benefit token, as it is called, uh, then, it's, um, then you're part of that group and they have their own uh, social channels. They have their own real-life events uh, where they try to bring interesting people also to attend and then it's, it's more of a private club in, in, in a sense that it's, it's a bit more scattered the other one uh, the other one i thought was interesting was uh, uh nelk boys friends so the guys who do the who do oh, full send Metacard. uh full send podcast uh, they raised roughly 23 million with their nft drop where they drop this kind of exclusive pass on being being part of this this uh, nelk boys community uh, 
I look at it a bit, bit like, you know, Patreon on steroids in a way that <clears throat> and because they feel like they're part owners in what's happening in, in Elk Boys, the price point is very different from having these small Patreon, Patreon subscription tiers. Uh, and I, I think they sold like a couple of thousand passes, maybe, uh, and still raised 23 million. So, so um, I think crazy. that's, that's pretty close to the thousand true fans. As, um, mm-hmm. as I think, I believe it's Chris Dixon from Andreessen that has been, has been, has been t- talking about that, um, <clears throat> where you can have substantial revenues from a really, really loyal user base, albeit that it's a, it's a small, small fan base or user base. And of, and of course the, uh, the granddaddy of this is Gary V with V friends. I mean, let's, let's, let's give <laughs> respect where respect is due guys. Come on. <laughs> so, um, so, um, anyways, like Moonbirds, this, this was an example that came actually from Shahaf and Shahaf was, uh, mm-hmm. on, on a podcast, like maybe an episode or two from, from the time that this airs. So you can go back to, uh, to that. And he's, he's been in the industry for, or in the, in the industry, but in the web three sector since really the beginning. So that was kind of his alpha towards me. I hate saying that. Uh, I'm not going to say alpha anymore. I'm just going to say inside anyway. <laughs> so, so what I like about the Kevin Rose's model was that it was very iterative because people really focus on like, Oh, 280 million raise. Like this is it. Like this is all about money. But when you really kind of when he kind of walks you back of where it started was like the podcast, so basically content creation, um, and that podcast and that was focusing on a lot of NFT projects that were happening, and sharing insights, right. uh, sharing insights about all these different projects, and then uh, kind of guiding people to to join these NFT projects, and that led into the Proof Collective, so that tokenized um, community of thousand kind of like you know hardcore fans and, and members of this community and and they were doing a lot of things for the community and a lot of things of course regarding these nft projects and only later on they got into a phase where they did, they did the uh, the moonbirds uh project or moonbirds tower moonbirds nft so so it it has been um a road and the kevin rose doesn't come from nothing like a founder of dig and at some point dig had like what 32 million monthly active users something like that so, was, um, I used clearly. to I used to wake up. Uh, I I tried mm-hmm. to game their uh, algorithm to get on the front page a couple times. I used to wake up the minute to to be online the minute a new zero punctuation dropped, so that I could be the one to post it on Dig, so that I could get like yeah. the karma for my account oh my. Uh, by getting oh on the my. front page. Um, I, yeah. And all it's, all that well, effort, uh, I don't think I even know how to log into my Dig account anymore. If anybody's <laughs> using it, I, I don't think anybody is using it. But but definitely, he, he gained a lot of experience. And when he was talking about Dig, he said like, you know, thirty two million monthly active users. They had maybe 50, 50 people working for Dig, and they were still not profitable. Uh, so so this kind of a thing kind of came uh, allowed, uh, around that thinking is. Also, the aspect is like, how can they be profitable? How can they get rid of the ad drip uh, and the ad model and how they can get into a place where they do have this strong community, where they have people, but they are funding it in a, in a different way, in a, in a way that brings value to the community. Uh, so that kind of leads to like where we are right now. I mean, we have doing, been doing content for 10 years. Uh, we have a pretty sizable community. We have... I was actually going through some numbers for a different reason for DOF, and we were actually reaching for the last couple of months. We've been reaching 100,000 unique people a oh, month wow. through all the different channels. <laughs> like, yeah, right. so it's, it's pretty big for uh, – like we're not – Yeah, I call that the know. Ethan Levy effect. When when you give me yeah, a podcast, yeah. that's what happens. <laughs> Since actually that that coincides pretty pretty closely to Ethan Levy, <laughs> Levy joining. When you uh, when but, you but, when you get me and Crest fighting on a podcast, it's just audio gold. It's audio gold. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll I don't want to break anybody's bubble, but it's really the podcast that is driving a lot of not a, a lot right. of podcast, but the uh, the blog that is still driving a lot of interaction. But yes, Got events, it. blog, newsletter has been a big thing. Uh, it has grown quite a lot. The podcast, I mean, everything. Everything has been growing. So we have a community. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. We have the content and we have proof that we've been able to deliver content at increasing pace because we have just grown the community. The community comes to the content creation. So in many ways, we're quite decentralized. Like I know you guys make fun what do you of think? me as like it's um, – yeah, go ahead. 
what do you think are some of these more premium features that that, that you could uh, you could, that DOF could yeah. offer to to the token holders? Okay, so so let's go let's let's go to these models, uh, the, the kind of like options that we've been thinking and. And I'm not taking props of any of these models. This is, again, this is coming from the community inside the Slack channels, yeah. inside some of the private conversations that we've been having. I'm not going to name any names because everybody works at a different company. So I'm not going to say, like, this guy from your company is actually planning like, different <laughs> web I just strategies. Re- I just realized we're going to have to kick everybody out of Slack and make them buy an NFT to get back. No, 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 no. no. Uh, the, way, the way it actually works is in, in Discord – uh, people people will be joining to the Discord channel right. and it will be automatically authenticated through the NFT. So through that yeah. PFP, proof for picture, that is the authentication. Anyway, yeah. I've, I've looked into it. Don't like, I'm not a, I'm not a white belt without no stripes yeah, anymore. You've got I, those I, stripes. I can talk my talk. So, so basically there's kind of three options that I mean outlines. Like the one is sort of an inspiration from the last event. It's like, hey, we'll have NFTs and there are tickets for event. So it is a ticket, it's an NFT. Uh, the biggest benefits are that the purchasers can easily sell these tickets online if they don't lo- don't longer want to attend or can't attend because it's in a country that is far away. Now, DOF will make some revenue each time the NFT trades hands, and these attendees will have a lifelong proof that they were at the epic DOF blockchain gaming Miami Beach event. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's, yeah. that's DOF, option one. DOF yeah. events will always have 100 spots that are only reserved for token holders and uh, that this drop is, is this being is just done once. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yes. No, I'm just throwing out so, some so additional is, ideas here. So yeah. there's this is a small quota, small quota I, for the I, for the token holders. They always have a spot at the events. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Imagine that those. instead of a, a public event where you stream everything, if you had 100 people on a boat and everybody's got to put their cell phone in a box mm-hmm. before the conference part starts and you like imagine the conference we would have if it was a hundred real game developers and no recording uh yeah. we, we'd say yeah. some different stuff mm. yeah it would be it would be like they are pre-recording but this but this because I, I think this ticket thing is uh or this access thing is potentially one of the for real life events it could be a cool yeah. use case for mm-hmm. nft renting mm-hmm. so let's say i uh, I want to invest in a deconstructor fund ticket, but I might not make it to all of the events. There might be someone mm. locally who wants to join, so I put it out for rent for a couple of days, and they can they can they can join the event with that one. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. And, 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 and inter- interestingly enough, interestingly <laughs> enough, this is not investment advice, but we're invested in ReNFT, which is a protocol currently deployed on Polygon, looking to build, looking to deploy on Solana, and they're basically building now this automation layer for NFT rentals across across different products. Mm. So, so kind of going through like a ticket concept, uh, and again, just take a look. You know, it doesn't. We're using DFT just as an example as we're talking about tokenized economy and how you can think right. about doing it. So, in this case, you know, it's it's great uh, because it gives access, and access is of course uh, uh, the probably number one form of of um, of benefit from having an NFT. And, and, you know, uh, member, the, the holders are definitely feeling that they're part of a community because they have priority access. But at the same, same time, uh, unless your organization, or unless your community is all about events, it's kind of you creating yourself a treadmill of events. And if you've never done an event, uh, you know, they're, they're not walking apart. Like you can do a, a meetup in a pub, but that's not an event. That's not, you know, right. <laughs> that's not what, what, what based on the last one, people are kind of expecting. You know, they, if there's no right. smoke machines. Right. If there's no custom animations that kick <laughs> off, if there's no you know top tier speakers flying for all the world, that's not the event that they people are expecting. So that's that's kind of like right. NFT as a ticket as a concept. Then option number two is similar but a little bit different, where you use NFT as a member card, uh, and you become a member of a collective. And this is what Nelk Boys has with the Nelk Boys's uh, NFT, which is called the Meta Card. Now. What happens is in these type of uh, tokenized, I don't know with, with Nelk Boys if they do it, but basically you get a gated access to a Discord. Now, in this, uh, through this meta card or through this uh, DOF coin, DOF card, whatever, whatever you want to call it, through this NFT, you get access to extra content. So maybe you'll get some podcast outtakes. Maybe you have like monthly calls or, or AMAs with, uh, with Ethan Levy 
and Anton Bachman. Um, all the maybe, we we cut out all the things where I say <laughs> that joke will get us canceled, yeah. and then you get to listen. To yeah, maybe maybe not not to that one, not not, not to that type of content. We're hearing something different. Uh, there will be an invite only meetups, and the part the fun part about this is you can do it. Like I was just uh, one of one of the people in the community. Actually, a few people from the community connected with me today, and they were talking about arranging a DOF event in Barcelona, since there's so many people in in our community from Barcelona. And they were all excited. And these guys are from different big companies in the in the area. I mean, it's a, it's a huge gaming hub. So if you're an NFT holder, guess what? You have the community. And now you can arrange your community events there. And because um, because there's some money that usually comes in with this uh, with this sort of uh, NFT sales, uh, that the part of that fund can be used to support an event. So if they want to do a meetup in Barcelona. We're going to be like, hey, you know what? This pub over there, not pub, I don't know what they call pubs in, in Barcelona. This restaurant over in I, Barcelona, guess what? Everything is paid for. You got a tab on, on DOF. Get some pinchos, get some sangria, uh, you know, start dancing are on the table. Are you saying that, that uh, we can set up a fund <laughs> to fly me to Barcelona so that I can get some sweet tapas, which I love? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like the, the, that's, that's what the fund will be used. So in that sense, it's again, <laughs> adding more value to... to correct my horrible yeah, yeah. Spanish accent. Good, good luck, Ethan, with your three kids flying to Barcelona. Like, let's be honest. There's already Hollywood <laughs> right. bonds in Barcelona. So he'll handle, he'll handle, uh, <laughs> he'll handle it. Anyways, uh, so, so uh, when, when we're talking about these, uh, these NFTs, it's a lifelong, unless you, you sort of customize it or burn after a certain amount of time. Um, and um, through that, you can actually start doing like different NFT seasons. And then, I don't know, it kind of, I think it goes kind of to a, to a weird place, or maybe that's like the evolution of everything. Uh, but most importantly, there's no need to spend on any fancy art. Uh, you kind of don't need an art at all if, if the GPEGs are just a piece of it, metadata. Uh, what did I yeah. say? Or it, uh, but most moon, likely there will be art. Rocket teddies? Rocket. The, the, most likely there will be art because we also have art directors in the DOF community already right now, so we can give somebody an NFT if they if they uh, create us um, um, one of these one of these art pieces with with you know thousand variabilities. But at the same time, when you go in with option one, where you have a membership card, you have to expect that you will have somebody who manages the community because you have to maintain engagement. Well, that's kind of like self-maintained already. But at the same time, you have to manage access. You have to troubleshoot any kind of different issues. And you, you know, you've set up a Discord channel with paid members, so there's some overhead uh, that 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 is a part of it. Basically, it sounds like uh, free to play. It basically sounds like you need. Uh, to pull this off, you need to do live ops, essentially. Yeah, well, to to some extent, like when when I was listening to 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 uh, to Rose's uh, kind of like definition of what they do with Proof Collective, not a lot. It's considered more like a PvP game where people are creating the content themselves. It's like a battle royale. If you have hundred people on, on that, and everybody's senior and everybody has paid in, so it's it is a Discord channel with a lot of a lot of conversations. But there's still some amount of overhead that has to be maintained, yeah. and kind of going through option number three. So if the first one is just a ticket, the second one is NFT with um, with benefits. Uh, let's, let's put it this way. The third one, which is kind of like the, the, the you know, the, the everything is DAO. So this is very murky. Uh, it could be anything from uh, very simple, just a way to engage with the community, uh, to vote on different things, or more complex version where entire DOF organization or whatever community you have, is is receiving funds, paying bills, commissioning work, and all of that is governed through the DAO. And the way it works is you have a governance tokens. In this case, they will be, of course, called fund coins. Uh, they will be distributed based on contribution. So whether it's research, blog posts, podcasts, editing, transcription, art, design, uh, the distribution and or the airdrops will go through the community vote. Uh, like small issues, like Ethan, did Ethan actually write this post and how did Anton actually do the <laughs> editing for it? Uh, then, then there would be like two to three community right. members. They need to agree in order to distribute these these tokens. Uh, the spent on the governance tokens to vote on big issues like should we hire someone to describe and translate all the tokenomics episode? Uh, should we hire a professional uh, editor to make the sound quality better, etc. Should we buy Ethan do, some decorations? Do you like the it when Crest tells Ethan to <laughs> shut the fuck up? 
<laughs> yeah, well, not 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 in, yeah. in that kind of a stuff, but but definitely like something that it, it can be anything. Nice. DAOs can vote on yeah. anything. Yeah, and and <laughs> the good part about DAO is is that it allows incent incentivizing people to contribute to the community because you're essentially rewarding them out of this central chest. Uh, the problem that I see in DAO is it sounds like fucking European Union, and it's a nightmare. There's too many people making too many decisions on a bunch of things that don't need to be, don't need to have people making decisions on. So I'm like categorically, <laughs> I sound like a Republican. I'm, I'm against big government. And when I was going through the description of Dow, that sounds like exactly what a big government is. Okay. Uh, liberal. Yeah, that's, I think that's a liberal take on things, right? Uh, so, so, um, so yeah, personally, personally, I'm more inclined to sort of an NFT that allows you to build that very strong core community uh, where people have certain benefits of being a part of this this central community and i think that's a great first step because from there on you can start going and investing into the next stages of, of web3 development but just like with alex's case it's like that's the proof collective i think thousand is a too much I'm, I'm more inclined to 300 uh, mainly because of course i mean the 300, the Spartans, come on. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what I thought of immediately. But Mishka, is, I, I, have good, yeah. I, have, I have good news for you if you're, if you're uh, yeah. afraid yeah. it's going to be, uh, be European Union. So similar yeah. to how there's a bit of a less explored consensus mechanism across mm -hmm. chains also known as, because we know proof of work, we know proof of stake. There's also delegated proof of stake. And uh, it's just so showing that we're doing this whole 360 here, uh, understanding that democracy is probably the least the least rotten way of deciding things so i mean if 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 if, if we want if you want to structure structure the deconstructor fund DAO in a way where let's say the voting power is delegated to a smaller group of people uh, that the community trusts then then uh, that's that's fully doable oh that's you know that's that's interesting and and we we are quite transparent like like all the for example with with the sponsorships and all the revenue like the contracts are distributed to people so they can actually so the content creators see the uh the money coming in and the money going out so we we have elements of this type of a thing and yeah. in, in, in many ways like i really enjoyed not okay i'll be honest i didn't enjoy listening to this podcast on on bankless we're, we're gonna add the link the bankless with kevin rose and talking about tough. numbers because it was tough. It was, the guys were, were so crypto it, bros. It, if you think I'm a shill crypto bro, like go yeah. listen to the <laughs> the real shill crypto bros and you'll be like, Ethan is like a, a mild pepper and they're like a ghost pepper. Well, well, exactly. I mean, uh, Suford said it nicely like in, in, the, uh, in the previous twig where he actually gave you a lot of props in, in terms of like you're still very balanced even though you're bullish, but you're still very balanced. But but nevertheless, I think it's 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 interesting way to think about tokenized uh, communities, and that's why we wanted to break it down here. Of course, we talked about DOF yeah. as an example, but just to, just you know disregard DOF. It, it just you know DOF because you're listening to this. It could work with anything. Right. Yeah. I it actually as you went through all that, you know, guilds are such a critical part of most mid core live ops games, which is you know I've worked on a lot of. I've worked from hyper casual to mid core core and, and in the games I've worked the most on is mid core and guilds are a big part of it. And, you know, one of the things that upsets guilds and guild leaders the most, um, in my experience has been when, when there are changes made that upset their strategy or planning that they weren't aware of or didn't see coming. Um, because they, in the guild, they spend a lot of time planning for events. So you could imagine, or what I started picturing, and this is something you could do with or without tokens. I think the tokens angle is really interesting, um, is I could imagine airdropping 50 tokens to the guild leaders, or 50 NFTs to the guild leaders of my top 50 guilds, and maybe, uh, maybe that's it. No revenue. Just like, here you go, here it is. Um, when you own this token, you get access to this Discord channel. Uh, once a week or once every other week, the developers will get on a call that only people in this channel can access. And we'll go over and, and we will share our event changes to you ahead of time for feedback. 
in these, right? So like not even going as far as governance and not making it a revenue play, just saying like, hey, if you own this token, which we airdrop to you for being part of the community, we're mm -hmm. gonna start talking to you. And if you don't value that, you can sell it to somebody who does and you get the 95% of the revenue from it. We only get 5%. And this is, this is the way we're establishing our trusted council of, of our most devoted players. Like that, as I say it out loud and I take the, the revenue angle out of it, it gets really interesting to me. I mean, you can do the same thing w without the tokens. I just think that the tokens, um, you know, if you, if you, if you know prospect theory, or you like read a lot of behavioral economics like I do, prospect theory is one of the like foundational ideas. And w when somebody holds something, they value it more, right? Mm -hmm. So like just saying you have access to a, um, a, a private channel that nobody else does, doesn't give a human as much good feelies as if you said, you own this thing and it gives you the private access. And if you want to sell it, you can. But like that ownership will give you more good feelies um, and uh, ha happy to talk prospect theory with, with anybody uh, in the future. Yeah, and be before we move to the next topic, yeah. uh, I just wanted to get your clarification. What do you mean by, by tokens and NFTs? Like do you, in, in terms of building a community? Oh, so NFTs are a form of token, right? There's fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens. And so, you know, you could do this by saying, hey, we're minting uh, the, the DOF token. There's going to be an issue of 50. They're all the same. And you can swap them on SushiSwap. That's, that's what you would do with a fungible token. Uh, a non-fungible token is uh, uh, we're minting 50 passes. They have a serial number one through 50 in different art. That's what makes them different. So I, I've realized, like, I sometimes I say token when I want to more specifically say non-fungible token. Got it. Got it. Well, that's it. I think speaking I think of covered, speaking uh, of non-fungible tokens. Yeah. Should we move on to? Yeah, that, yes, yeah. Let's, uh, any, any feedback on, by the way, on the on the uh, on tokenized communities? Just hit us up on info deconstructor fun, or if you're on the Slack channel, just hit us up of what do you think about about yeah. you know this particular example and how would you approach? Is that initiative? Yes. Is that initiative going to be called the decentralizer of fun? <laughs> that's that's actually that's actually a good oh one. God. Good one. So we're going to decentralize fun with another one. It's fantastic. With another rocker. Like, he came up with Istanbulish and now with this. <laughs> so, anyway, let's, I'll be, let's a, move I'll on. I'll be a brand okay. consultant in my next life. So yeah. I'm, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to tease, tease Mishka a bit in, in this one because I want to talk about Yuga Lab's other side. And I want to say I was vindicated. You gave me a lot of... You gave me a lot of heat on my newsletter prediction piece. I believe you said, Ethan, stop being such a crypto shill. I can't endorse these opinions. <laughs> you didn't say that. I, I did I didn't apologize. I didn't apologize. I was like <laughs> extremely my, my comments were shitty. Like sometimes I also have shitty days and I yeah. say bad things. And then I was like, you know what, yeah, Ethan? It, I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 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 the it's the fathers it's the fathers of young children. I understand the uh uh, having a bad night of sleep, maybe due to some crying or some uh, wetting of beds and, and having having a bad morning as a result. So anyways, um, in March, we talked about Other Side, which is the forthcoming MMO slash metaverse from the Bay, uh, Board 8 Yacht Club maker Yuga Labs. Uh, we talked about it following their $450 million raise. Um, I also wrote a prediction piece for the newsletter. So if you're not signed up for the newsletter, in the newsletter, we put uh, uh, pieces that we don't post on the blog always. So it's a great piece to get that alpha. Um, let, me, let me read you a quote. I made three predictions, and here was my number one prediction. Unlike traditional game development, the ability to generate revenue on Web3 projects can be divorced from the release and operation of the game software itself. As such, I predict that Yuga Labs will make millions in primary and secondary revenue in the NFT sales of Codas, Land, and other NFTs for its other side metaverse. This will likely be a profitable venture years before the game is actually playable. And look, here we are. It's a few weeks later, 
They've done their crazily successful NFT land drop for other side. And let me give you a quote from Bloomberg. Yuga Labs, the creator of the popular Board Apes Yacht Club collection of NFTs, launched a sale on Saturday of virtual land related to its highly anticipated metaverse project, raising about $320 million worth of cryptocurrency in the largest offering of its kind. Demand was so strong that activity related to the event caused ripple effects across the entire Ethereum blockchain, disrupting activity and sending transaction fees soaring. So um, let me, so like, as I predicted, massive business success, uh, a great, uh, you know, ApeCoin, which didn't exist a couple weeks ago, is one of the top tokens in the world, has over a, uh, it's got a couple billion dollar market cap. They've got this huge NF, new NFT collection on the other side. Um, and, and let me tell you a little bit about the sale. Um, there were 55,000 land parcels sold for 305 ApeCoin each. So that's about $6,000 uh, was about the cost on the day of and it was only accessible to approved wallets. Uh, 45,000 land deeds were allocated to Board Ape Yacht Club and Mutant Ape Yacht Club holders, and they're reserving another 100,000 parcels of land to be awarded later. Gas fees went insane. It crushed the Ethereum network. I think I saw somebody saying like, a gas fee was $4,000, $5,000. People in the, uh, in the Discord, in our... Um, Slack community said, I, I avoided this just because of the gas fees. So yeah, and you uh, had, uh, you had, I mean, this was across Ethereum. So you had people right. trading up NFT worth, worth $500 and paying gas, gas fees for several thousand. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, a bit of a mess. So, so this one, this one has been a, a pretty, uh, e Ethan and Mishka heavy episode. So Anton, let me, let me, uh, ask you uh, for some, your opinion, what went right here? What went wrong here? And, and I know there was a lot of controversy on Twitter following the sale. What was the controversy? So maybe starting what went right. I don't think it's a very long list. Uh, I mm -hmm. think it's mostly from, uh, from the perspective of Yuga labs and, uh, the, the revenues they were able to make, uh, now obviously going up to to, 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 to this amount of gas fees that people were paying. I think there were, there was earlier a statement issued by, by Yuga Labs, they were going to refund, uh, this, this gas, but, but, um, if we, if we start, um, piecing a bit on, on, on what went wrong there. So obviously one thing was, was the interest towards this sale. Uh, I think Yuga even said that, you know, not beyond their wildest expectations, but I would that's bullshit. Obviously they knew that there was going to be a lot of demand, yeah. uh, demand for this. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> they had some problematic statements actually later, but I'll get to that in a, in a moment. But technically what went wrong here is that the smart contracts that Yuga uh, w w was using, uh, they had, um, near zero gas optimizations, uh, in their, in, in, in their code. There was a great uh, thread on Twitter by uh, Will Papper, who is a co-founder of Syndicate DAO, and he's been doing a lot of a lot of smart contract uh, gas optimization previously, and he outlined more technical specs in his Twitter thread on, on what actually went wrong here. But but um, according to according to his his calculations and his uh, kind of suggestions for improvement that he had for the contracts that Yuga was using, they could have more or less saved. Uh, 90% of, 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 of the, of the gas fees that were, that, that were being spent. So, so in simple terms, you got allowed, you got allowed people to spend too much gas, uh, on these transactions and, and they could have sort of reduced that amount, uh, by, uh, by, 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 by a fair amount, even though they had these KYC, KYC wallet, uh, procedures in place where they were whitelisting, uh, addresses for this sale, but it, it went, went off the, off the hook anyway. Um, an interesting thread posted by Yuga Labs later, where they quote, want to say a few words about the mint, uh, obviously going through the different steps that kind of went wrong there, but this was the most interesting one. And I'm paraphrasing this tweet. Uh, we're sorry for turning off the lights on Ethereum for a while, 
it seems abundantly clear that ApeCoin will need to migrate to its own chain in order to properly scale. Uh, we'd like to encourage the DAO to start thinking in this direction. So the interesting thing about this tweet is that it spurred a lot of uh, controversy on Twitter because mm -hmm. uh, Yuga Labs can't with a straight face say that they wouldn't have expected Ethereum congestion with this sale. Right. There are tried and proven blockchains that can handle this sort of scale. We could be looking at Ronin, for example, that have are more now despite the despite the problem with the bridge, still battle tested in terms of what they can what they can handle, not congest on fees or an activity. Uh, and that there I saw several tweets and discussions uh, online about um, kind of suggesting that that's what this was a way for yoga uh to to um justify their own chain justify justify their own chain uh and, and their own solution and obviously that's again if if they would do that it's again a revenue event for the company mm -hmm. uh, and it's gonna if, if if they do it their own layer one or layer two it's gonna mean it, it's gonna be money for them but um that left clearly a bit of a salty taste uh, in, in uh, w w w with many people that um, this should not be used as, as a way to kind of try to convince your users to migrate uh, to your own chain because obviously people people paying 100 million to Ethereum Ethereum validators. I mean, they were the ones who were laughing, laughing their, their way to the bank. But um, <clears throat> so all in all, uh, pretty messy, uh, bad PR. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last. There was a couple of uh, bigger discussions about people starting to sell their Yuga Labs assets, etc. But I don't think that's, I think yeah, we're I mean, talking the, about very the, few. The floor price on other deeds right now looks like double the minting cost. So mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, and then, people then maybe a smaller things. thing, a smaller thing I found interesting with the sale. There were, there was also obviously with the expectation that the land uh, or the deeds you're getting have uh, certain traits to them. Uh, but uh, multiple people started posting uh, the trades they had paid $6,000 plus the gas fee for, and they had zero trades, zero coda, uh, and yeah. uh, not, not nothing. So, I, uh, I was so they felt, they, they, they felt a bit, uh, empty handed. Yeah. It, from, from a design standpoint, it, this does not feel like it was a very rewarding, it, it, it was too punishment punishing and not rewarding enough, right? Like if I spent $10,000 on, on a thing and I mean, I saw someone say, I love my piece of land so much. And there are six traits and it said artifact, none, coda, none, S resource, none. So three of the six traits, they had nothing. And I just like, when you, when you think of uh, game design, a very common, I can't remember where I, I got this piece of advice, but something it's, it's struck with me for years. I think maybe from uh, Tracy and Chris in college, like 20 years ago, it's like, you can, you can take almost anything and frame it as a carrot or a stick as a reward or a punishment. And humans like carrots a lot more than sticks. So like there is a way to have designed these, like getting none is a punishment, right? Hmm. Getting some trait, that provides some value, even if it's the lowest tier value and because yeah. it's and most common in the system would make you feel infinitely better about your plot of land than getting artifact, none coda, none, like instead of in, you need to find a way to make codas like landing a coda feel like a bonus. I mean, so like actually one way to do it would have been to have a trait called bonus or resource. And everybody is guaranteed two resources and some, and a lot of people get turnips, but some people get codas, right? So at mm -hmm. least somebody goes, Hey, I got turnip as my resource. Not, I got no coda just, you know, does game design. You have to just think about how to frame things as rewards and not punishments. Cause like I would be pissed if I spent $10,000 on that. I would never tell my wife about that $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> I would hide that. That was clear from those uh, Twitter discussions where people were posting their, their empty, empty deeds. Yeah. That, um, yeah. Can yeah. I, can so I, I pick good. up from, from where Anta left? Cause, cause you, you talked a lot about, yeah. um, a lot about the, uh, the practicalities and, 
And I think, like, on a high level, this whole incident of, uh, kind of renews the conversation or the question about whether these smart contracts, uh, smart contract network is up to the challenges the new businesses is built on, 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 on it. So meaning that the issue is that there's a lot of money being poured in, into Web3. That's why most of the people are listening to this podcast, because there's just so much money in it. And the fact is that, that, um, that the whole, the whole, you know, industry or, or branch or whatever you will, Web3 is very much in the infancy, yet investors want to see it scale up already. And, and we're seeing these issues with, with smart contract networks as it is. Now, we, we, we talk about the, uh, the gas prices, which is, again, why do you say gas price when it's transaction cost? There's literally a word for it. So I'm gonna use a word transaction cost for, for, for people to, uh, to kind of understand it. And, and the big issue is, is actually Ethereum as a layer one protocol. And um, Ethereum is kind of known for very high transaction fees and slow execution speed. And that has been well documented through through multiple multiple uh, sources. Uh, and that is why they're actually do, coming up with Ethereum 2.0 that will have sharding that should uh, limit the uh, the transaction fees uh, by, by breaking down the uh, transaction to multiple, anyways. But but at the same time, they've been saying that the Ethereum 2.0 is coming and it's four to six months away for a long time. Now, because of this massive demand, uh, and because of Ethereum's, you know, high transaction fees due to slow execution speed, uh, that caused the gas fees to spike up. So gas is transaction fee. Uh, and then when the Ethereum fees spiked up, um, that cost higher than actual cost of purchasing of the underlying NFTs themselves. So you were actually paying more for the transaction than for the actual item you're getting through the transaction. Now, even the craziest thing that, that when you go through this for people who haven't minted, uh, the craziest thing is that you have to pay this transaction fee even if your transaction fails. So I don't know if any of the listeners or you guys use sneaker app from, from Nike. So basically when Nike drops a new sneaker like 10 a.m. on Saturday, you have to sort of like pay for it and they fund you the money back if you didn't get the Jordan 1s, the, 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 the rare drop of your size. Now imagine, like, if this would work in the same way, I would pay my 170 euros for the uh, for the Jordan ones that sell in the, in the on StockX for 350 or 450, but I wouldn't get it. Like normally, you don't get it because they're rare. Uh, but nevertheless, Nike would take my 170 euros. They're like, thanks, dude. Uh, good luck the next time. You know, to use to use the transaction fee, it would be like if it cost mm -hmm. 170 euros and they and they sent you back 120. Because fifty mm. was the transaction fee. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They, now, um, not and, all the money was uh, n destroyed, but a really yeah. big part of it was. A, a, big, a really big part, and, and 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 that is and that is the craziest thing. That's that that should give you the perspective of how much of an infancy this this whole Web three is still because of these high transaction costs, and actually the good projects in in Web three they are regularly refunding the transaction fees for failed transactions. So if Ethan goes, he tries to buy something for 5,000 and ends up paying the, the gas fee only and doesn't even get the, uh, the, uh, the NFT, then, then in this case, you would have gotten back your transaction fee. So you ended up with, you know, not spending on anything since you didn't get anything. Now, the reasons, and that's what Anton was talking about, like, like, um, the, uh, the the blockchain that that um, Yuga Labs would be building is because having like layer one blockchain, layer one meaning Solana, Ethereum, Avalanche, any of these, um, having uh, that one. Okay, so just step back. So layer one is Solana, Avalanche, and so forth. And then when you build on top of it, that's called layer two. So for example, Yuga Yuga's Ape Coin is layer two on layer one being Ethereum. And you know, the US future coin, the fun coin, would be on layer two on, on something. No, Am I isn't, correct, Ethan? Isn't no? A, no, no. La uh, layer two is like when you're on Polygon, which is a uh -huh. network on top of Ethereum. So it is I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna check right now, but just I think to, just, coin just, is to, an just to make just coin. to make this soup a bit still, uh, I think yeah. Polygon is w widely considered not anymore being a sort of layer two, but it's it's a distinct okay. mm -hmm. 
distinct layer one, but it, it borrows a lot from Ethereum's code. It's, it's essentially a fork of Ethereum. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Um, and they get to piggyback, but if you look at some, there used to be a solution called Plasma, uh, some other ones, then you're talking about something mm -hmm. that's built on top or, or around Ethereum, uh, if you will, where transactions take a step outside of the main chain and then they return back to the main chain where they've been back so, somewhere so else. Like, so layer so 1.5. ApeCoin Ape Ape is for, a for, coin on layer 1, right? Yeah. If I go and, to, if I am trading someone uh, my ETH for their ApeCoin, that transaction happens on the Ethereum network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they would now consider their own chain, then it could very well be a sort of an Ethereum derivative again, an Ethereum fork. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. essentially it's, 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 it's own layer one again, but or then they yeah. might decide on, on building on some layer two, but, but they would, they would basically form, form their own layer one. Got it. And, and the reason for that is like, they would, they would, um, avoid these transaction, these high transaction fees and would be able better to cater to the, uh, to the demand of, of the public. And we've seen these examples happening before because Dapper Labs actually did this. They, it took them, I think, two years and they now launched their own blockchain called Flow. Um, the verdict is out on it, whether it's good or not, uh, whether it solved all the problems that they were having or they perceived that they would be having. But, um, yeah, and we, yeah, we, we've we've so, seen this so a few see. times, and the the whole dapper the whole dapper or flow was the result of CryptoKitties congesting Ethereum in 2018. Uh, you had uh, Ronin for Axie moving on to Ronin because they just couldn't fit on Ethereum anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, this was not news for Yuga. So so, mm -hmm. but it was a very weird way for them to now uh, allegedly uh, yeah. justify justify their own their own chain and uh, but it's a uh, it, it's and it's a way to get control as well because um if you're looking yes. at something like ronin arguably it's not very decentralized if if there's uh under 10 validators that are able to control what's happening on the chain or if they're mm -hmm. kind of the weak link so i mean it's always going to be uh it's always going to be a trade-off between how secure it is and how fast it is and it says you can't have you can't have you can't have both of those because the more the more, so to speak, people you want to, to validate what's happening, the slower it's going to get because um, it is kind of a physical limitation uh, for these chains. Uh, so, so I think yeah. that's debunked. So, so there used to be this discussion of, of uh, a leading layer one and which one is going to be, be the one chain to rule them all, if you will. If there's going to be one, it's likely Ethereum, but I don't believe it's for the reasons that people, uh, people believe. I think because it's, it's already shown that if you have one runaway success, uh, an app that has a lot of usage, it's likely going to need its own chain. And it doesn't make sense that a transaction that is worth 10 cents needs the, re needs the same security requirements as a transaction worth 1 million. So I think where mm -hmm. Ethereum will be an important go-to-market chain because it has an existing community, it has proven tech, a lot of different tools and, and platforms built to it. But when products find product market fit, they find uh, escape velocity, they're going to have to look for other solutions. Now, obviously, there's new options coming to the market all the time. You have stuff like Polygon, uh, and they're also moving into a bit of a similar direction as Avalanche with a subnet, uh, subnet solution where basically you launch, in a sense, essentially you launch a new chain for each specific application or a new chain for, for a specific type of use case where, where kind of the, the transaction patterns are quite similar so you can tailor that to that experience. Uh, and then the consensus is brought from kind of a shared layer underneath all of those, all of those subchains. Mm -hmm. but, but that tech is still uh, in development. And that's why it's so important when you're making that choice of, of the blockchain uh, exactly the reasons how you underline and understanding your product, but it's still, you know, easy to make mistakes because you don't know what the demand would be, uh, and, and how many transactions people are doing, etc. So, um, so yeah, um, overall, like I wanted to, uh, to, you know, finish up my part just by, by quoting Anand Agravala, uh, CEO of, and co-founder of Spatial. It's a virtual gallery for metaverse services. And, um, 
The quote was like, the challenge with selling land model is that incentives aren't always aligned. Many people buy land as an asset and try to maximize price, while creators who can actually develop amazing experiences in it get priced out, and you end up with lots of empty lots. So basically speculators. This was an interesting quote, uh, kind of resonated right. with me. I mean, what do you think, Ethan? That, that, that quote kind of assumes a sandbox or decentralized style metaverse that's intended for um, creators. If, if you go back to our uh, Yuga Labs pitch deck episode or my newsletter piece, you know, it looks more like they want to build an MMO, um, like a World of Warcraft, which isn't like sandbox where pe or Roblox where people are building experiences. So um, I, I mean, I agree there are many, many potential problems with selling land before the, the product is out. I think they're going to have a, a different problem. I don't think the problem of, um, uh, of other side of other deeds is that I'm not going to be able to create anything that people want to do on my land. I think the problem is, as I predicted in, in the newsletter pieces, it's going to be very hard to build an MMO that achieves their ambitions. And it might not be 2020 till 2027 till other side is playable. Right. And uh, uh, so it's like, when, when will these land plots have in-game utility? I think it's going to be a long time. Uh, so I just, sorry, sorry. I just like, don't, uh, this quote, I think is uh, making an assumption about what other deeds are for that I don't think matches the information from the leaked mm. pitch deck. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to kind of even get your take on it because it was a, it yeah. was an interesting, um, interesting quote resonated as a quote yeah. itself. Yeah, for sure. So let's, uh, let's close this segment out. Let's take a bet in what year and quarter will other side be playable first playable. Um, 2020, now it's 2022, 2024 Q3. <laughs> the, the full, the full playable of the full game or, or the mini game that's going to be announced first, next year. <laughs> first yeah. when will other side be first playable which whichever oh you know, a mini game okay yeah, I, yeah well, well i didn't I mean, no 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 let, 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 let's not count the mini games because it's uh okay. that's the easy way out that's what uh right. that's what star atlas did uh they pushed yeah. roadmap back with a year and said we're coming out with a mini game instead yeah yeah did a one sprint to launch some kind of a breeding game <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah right. 2024 2024 i'll take I'll take, uh, what is it now? I'll take, uh, Q, Q3 2027. It's going to take a long time to build an okay. MMO. I'll land, I'll land somewhere in between, I say Q2 2025. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> winner, uh, will, or, uh, win, winner gets a steak dinner from, from the other two. Uh, we'll have Ooh. to meet in person. Actual right. or, or metaverse steak. No, no, no! Real, real steak. That <laughs> no, you no, it's, no, it's 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 a it's a it's it's a uh, it's a Zoom dinner where we'll just do we'll just part, participate <laughs> in some dinner. staking staking contracts. Oh, no. All right, let's let's close it out. This has been a great episode. Let's close it out with some new hotness. Um, I have no new token assets. I have been too busy selling a piece of real land and buying a piece of real land. So I did. Uh, a real land transaction in the real universe and uh, we're downsizing to a smaller house with a, a, a great family-friendly neighborhood and I've been too busy with real land to uh, mess around with fake land so no no new tokens for me uh, Mishka, have you added coin. any tokens do you have your first crypto token coin. what uh, crypto dot crypto crypto coin crypto dot coms own coin something That's, like that all right. That's, That's your the... first token. Wow. No, I, I you mean, have I, the you have you have the credit card since You get those as cashbacks. Uh, yeah. You have to hold for I think a year and then you get uh -huh. the card. So I was incentivized mm -hmm. by the card. And um well this our little household has held first Bitcoin since two thousand fourteen. So mm. you know Wow. Relax. We've we've got some we've got some gains. <laughs> I've been I've been making fun of you all these new hotnesses. I would any NFTs yet? No. Uh no I will NFTs. not own any NFTs. 
uh, the whole minting your first NFT will be the DOF exciting. NFT. Yes, mm. yes, and yours, right. your, you guys will be airdropped. That so the stuff, right. so. the overarching project is called Decentralizer of Fun, and the first the first drop is called ga- Games and Gains. <laughs> no, no, let's. We're too brawly. We're too brawly. We need to. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Nice. Anton, any new I'll think. I'll, I'll think. I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about a couple of suggestions. Okay. Any yeah. any yeah. new hotness for you? Uh, not right. There's there's a couple of one I'm looking real closely. So maybe I can I can drop some alpha in, in future episodes okay. if I end up getting them. Awesome. Why is it called well, alpha? Alpha is like inside or a hint, right? Like like why is it? Called uh, if, alpha? No, if if you if you look at um, sort of investing, either you invest in beta, you invest in an index, or you invest in alpha, which beats beats the index. Got it. Okay, now I understand a little bit because it just sounds so brawlish. It sounds very brawlish. All right. Yeah. With that, I but I, I blame think, uh, I blame the finance bros before the crypto bros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, w- with that, I think tokenomics number eight is in the bag. Thank you both. Uh, thank you, audience, for listening, and thank you, Recur, for being our first ever tokenomics sponsor. All right. Shout out, bye, to friends. Recur. Bye.